Welcome back to JR Takes. As always, I'm Jonah Hoffman, and alongside me, Ryan Rogers. Uh, yes, sir. Got a couple uh, things to discuss regarding uh, the Seahawks this week. We uh, took a look at the competition against the Bears. It did not look great, but we no, did, it did get, not. We did get to see our guys up close in person the other day at training camp. It was our first time doing that. Ryan, uh, what was your overall experience and take on what you saw? On Sunday, yeah. So I've never been to the VMAC before, and haven't even actually explored that area too much. Even though I've lived in the Northwest basically my whole life, and it was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm jealous of professional football players for what they do, but man, being a Seahawk must be pretty damn fun. Getting to hang out at that faci- that facility, it's just so beautiful there on the water and everything, and it just looks like a lot of fun and. It's a really great experience for the fans to show up to those uh, training camps that they hold open to the public. So I'll definitely be going back in years uh, forward. I don't know why I didn't go before this year, honestly. Yeah. I thought the experience, too, was pretty smooth. Like, I was kind of surprised at how the bus transporting us to and from wherever we were. Wherever yeah, we it was went hot to as initially. hell, but, I mean, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. The facility being right on the water, I thought that was beautiful. And I actually got, I didn't think it was going to be as hot as it was yesterday. I kind of got a farmer's sunburn. Same. I literally have a redneck. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just as far as Seahawks football has been in the last, since the last episode, uh, we made some roster cuts following that hideous Bears game. And uh, one of them was Joel... I don't know how to say his last name, but it starts with an I. He was a linebacker, and we actually signed him from the Bears in the offseason, and it seemed like he might be the kind of guy who could be a contributor. Are you talking about the five cuts that we just made? Yes. I actually didn't hear about any of the names that we cut. Anyone? Joel I (laughs) is the only one that that really stuck in my brain. Um See, I, a, I'd never even heard of that person, so that's fine. He was, you know, I was thinking maybe not starting, but like a good like second stringer special teams guy, because that was his uh, forte coming out of Chicago was his special teams uh, contributions. But yeah, he missed. I think he might have been the culprit for some of those really big returns the Bears had. But yeah, um, I was at that preseason game and getting to watch us in person that just it was just a terrible effort all around i mean gino you can you can't really even make anything of of his performance because his best throws were dropped mostly yeah. in that game um oddly enough pro football focus has him as the highest greatest highest graded quarterback with more than 20 attempts in the league right now for they the come out with some weird ratings. Sometimes yeah. I really agree with pro fo- football focus, and then sometimes I'm like, are you guys watching? Who, who is writing these articles? Yeah, I, I really don't get it sometimes. It doesn't make any sense because I, I want to say they had like Mitchell Trubisky super high one year or something like that. Um, they, there just seems to be a lot of inconsistencies, but I feel like if it's you know, when you're watching a game, if a player seems to be doing really well and their pro football focus score is high, you're like, great. Um, 
but I don't really understand how they do their system to be honest for even something like a quarterback. I don't really know how they do it. Um, but all that aside, um, yeah, I, I don't take away too much from that preseason game against the bears because we didn't play most of our starters at all. And by midway through the second quarter, um, we were hardly playing any, any at all. I think what was most concerning about that game is just that we don't have very good depth at a lot of these positions. Like our mm-hmm. linebackers do not look good. No. I mean, we haven't seen Jordan Brooks play at all, but like it's almost like everyone else besides him. And V Jones has flashed. Um, he's made a couple good plays. But beyond those two, and you know, Cody Barton is like okay. He's probably one of the bottom five starting linebackers in the league, but he's passable. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that's, you know, we went from having the rock solid future hall of famer and Bobby Wagner every year, didn't have to worry about the linebacker position. And it's sort of analogous to the quarterback situation. It seems like this year it's, eh, we don't really know. And then maybe there's a guy coming out in the draft next year that they really like. Cause I'm, su- I'm genuinely surprised they haven't made a move to grab somebody. Um, whether that be a Roquan Smith or, um, there were some uh, notable free agent linebackers we didn't go after either, but yeah. yeah, that that was the biggest concern to me was continuing on with poor tackling like we had in the first preseason game. A um, lot of penalties and the drops. Yeah, uh, it's funny you bring up Roquan Smith. I actually heard, I think this morning, that he is attending Bears practices now and is basically committing to the team. Even yeah. though he said he wanted a trade. I think that's kind of just a, a new age way of contract negotiations is just be like, I want to trade like Debo did it. it. Yeah. I don't really put too much stock into that because I feel like you can just tweet whatever is a player now. And then all of a sudden it's news. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was we got to see Drew Locke compete yesterday and uh We've both talked about how it hasn't really been a fair competition between Drew Locke and Gino. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to some Pete Carroll sound bites last night. You know, I still need, need to see him play and see, need to see him uh, fit in with our guys and all that. He's done really well till now. This That opportunity was going to be a big one, um, even though I knew that the preparation for it wasn't great. You know, it was, it was a... You know, just wasn't, wasn't adequate for the prep for, that a guy wants for his first chance to start a game. But... Um, We'll see how he goes this week, and, and he, he'll I'm planning on playing a lot this week. Dude, well then, why didn't you, why didn't you have it more of a actual quarterback competition from the get go? I know it's, it's been Geno, it's it's been all Geno, like seemingly twenty four seven with the first team, and if you were to put Drew Locke as the starter week one, everything just seems kind of like last minute for yeah. that. Which, again, doesn't make any sense It to just me. doesn't really feel like it ever was a competition. Yeah. Because, you know, the last quarterback competition we had, I remember in camp, uh, Matt Flynn, Tavares Jackson, and Russell Wilson were all kind of like rotating which day they got first-team reps from the get-go. And that was at the height of the always-compete mantra. Um, but I've, I've noticed this with Pete... Um, with some other positions and some other players in the past, like it was, it's bothersome to me that uh, Phil Haynes hasn't cracked the starting lineup much in the last couple of years. Cause 
His first game he played for us was against the Packers in 2019 in the playoffs, and he looked great. Um, I know he struggled with injuries, but there, there's a handful of other guys that I'm like, why aren't they getting more snaps? They Like Alton Robinson, in 2020, like every time he played, he got a sack, but he only got like 100 snaps that whole season or something like that. But yeah, um, that's the one argument against Pete that I, I really just tend to agree with um, these days is he doesn't seem to actually let a lot of competitions play out at least from a fan's perspective, like I don't understand how you can call this a quarterback competition when one guy has gotten all the first team reps virtually this entire off season started the first preseason game. And I'm pretty sure is going to start the third one too against the Cowboys this Friday. Um, I heard, uh, I heard otherwise. I heard heard a report out of, I think Greg bell from the news tribune that Mm -hmm. uh gino got all the first team reps again today in their walkthrough so interesting and what makes that even more noteworthy is pete said in his press conference yesterday that from this point forward they're less so looking at depth and reserve players and more so trying to get the starters ready for week one and if he says that then immediately is giving gino all the first team reps i'm like well this thing's already fucking over for the most part and i feel like it never even got to be a competition yeah and so i'm i'm frustrated with it to be honest with you because it it just seems like what was the point of getting him like do they do they view him as a long-term option that they need to sit because i feel like that doesn't actually exist much in the nfl anymore i mean do you think kenny pickett is still going to be sitting come like week 10 of this season i don't i think he should start from what i've seen i think he should too i think he's Kind of similar to the Geno and Drew competition, I feel like we know what Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Mason Rudolph, we know what their ceilings are. Yeah. We don't really know what Kenny Pickett's ceiling is, and same deal with Geno and Drew. We absolutely know what Geno's ceiling is. It's he'll get you a touchdown in the first half, maybe. Unless you're playing the Urban Meyer-led Jaguars, then he'll whoop ass. But well, it's like, I, I feel like Pete Carroll has, because that's the last time he saw Geno start was against the Jaguars last year. And I feel like for some reason, Pete Carroll's like, oh, Geno can be like that every game. Dude, that was a historically bad team that Geno did that against. The other three games were bad. There was no consistency or flow in the offense at all. There was three and out after three and out. And that's how this preseason has been. The guys put up three points in like 10 drives with, you know, a lot of that was with some backup receivers. And I don't think Gino has played bad, but I just know this. The offense doesn't really move when he's in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he I want to say he was 10 for 18 uh, against the Bears with but three of those. There was like five drops. drops, honestly. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I guess statistically he's not horrible, but he's not a playmaker. Like, and I keep saying that over and over again. He's not going to, you know, come up with any big plays. He's not going to throw the ball downfield. Or, or At do- training camp, I will say he had a nice deep ball to DK down the sideline. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was but a pretty I good just, ball. But uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. And the thing is, you know, like, Maybe we all just have this fixation on Drew because he's young and new. Um, But it's just something about the prospect of watching Gino play for the next four months is just 
I would just describe it as extraordinarily underwhelming. It would kind of make me feel like Pete is going against his own philosophy as a head coach, too. If, I mean, we just talked about it, always compete, and you this quarterback competition has not been a fair competition because you've been favoring one side of the two quarterbacks. And yeah. and if and if you're trying to compete at the highest level and you're putting Geno Smith out there, then I'm sorry but I feel like you need to go if <laughs> the, the if that's what you're trying to preach. Unless he's doing some 3D chess of an intentionally trying to suck this year so we can get a high pick for a quarterback next year, which again, I don't think he's doing that at all. I don't understand why he would do that, given his age. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. Tanking is not something that I would assume him or John Schneider are trying to accomplish. Yeah, I don't think tanking is in Pete's DNA. And we've made some moves this offseason that make me think it's not. Like, why would we re-sign DK or Quandre Diggs if we were trying to tank, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's in total contradiction to starting Gino and not trying to get another quarterback and not really giving drew lock a chance like the Those things just, I was fine with us not getting another quarterback. If we started drew, cause I think Gino is a good backup, but at least give the young guy a chance to, you know, make some noise this year and see what we got. Cause we're rebuilding anyways. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. This preseason game on Friday is, I think Drew's last chance to grab the starting job because I don't think Pete is going to make a sound decision to the media till maybe September 11th, the day before the preseason game Mm -hmm. or sorry, the regular season opener. But um, yeah, I I think he really has to throw like four touchdowns and like 90% completion percentage or something like that to, to have a chance, which is possible because Dallas they lose a lot of preseason games too. Yeah. So, um, I'm worried about that kick returner we're going to be punting to. <laughs> oh God, he's he, probably going to get a couple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was watching highlights. He had a punt return and a kick return for a touchdown. Yeah. In one, I mean, that's the kind of statement right there that says like I belong on an NFL roster. So for good for him, I don't actually know the guy's name, but I I saw that stat and highlight. So this is a really good test to see if you know we can coach up the guys that we have out there to actually cover some special teams returns, because that's something we're supposed to be good at. We were good at it last year. Um, Just found it. The guy's name's Cavante Turpin. Cause the, the NFL's Instagram had to put his name in their bio because he plays for the Cowboys and they have to talk about the Cowboys for some, it's I'm in the pretty contract sure, yeah. for, you know, if they don't, then the, lead writer just gets fired that day if he doesn't bring up the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it was really it was pretty awesome seeing all the players up close though. I mean, goddamn Colby Parkinson. Yeah, so we we got to meet Colby Parkinson, kind of Jamal Adams, um JJ Arthega Whiteside and uh, Who's the other guy? Darwin Thompson. Yeah, Darwin Darwin Thompson. He was kind of tiny. He was a little guy. I yeah. mean, not tiny in the sense. I mean, he's still a little stout, you know, 
could yeah, run me over for sure. Of. We we could not tackle him, but I was a good like head taller than him. For yeah, sure. he looked like he was probably like five seven. Yeah, or something like that. Um, but Colby Parkinson is an absolute tree of a human being. That yeah. guy is like six foot eight. You could pr- he could probably play you know college basketball somewhere with his height and how jacked he is. Uh, if they can ever get that guy to develop as a tight end, he's like a Jimmy Graham type of body. Like he could seriously make I would noise. even like he could be a top tight end if he can start catching those passes in like the nitty gritty when like, when it's contested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I don't know if JJ Arcega really has a chance to make the team, but I had a brief conversation with him yesterday. He's a nice guy, so I'm a yeah. fan. I, I I hope the best for him. Yeah, he was super friendly and I mean, there's there was a reason why the Eagles took him over DK Metcalf. He's got to have some promise in his game. I mean, well, I know I think, it. I know it hasn't translated to the NFL. I mean, I think he has what 16 catches in his career. Something really bad like that. Um, yeah, he is a very good blocker though, and yeah. I think that the thing is, our so I actually think our wide receiver competition is maybe the most competitive on camp right now. Because think about it, Derek Young, Bo Melton, Freddie Swain, Marquise Goodwin, J.J. Sega Whiteside, um, and that's not even to mention the guys that have been here for a little bit, like Penny Hart and Kay Johnson and Cody Thompson. I just named eight people. None of them are locks to make the roster. I don't know. Other than D.K., Tyler, and I guess D. Eskridge. He's not going anywhere. He's, even though he has injury issues, I mean, we he's a second-round pick. We can't just give up on him. This, he looked good this catching from the jugs machine yesterday. I mean, <laughs> that's about all I could say about yeah. um, watching him. Um, Was he a returner? Is that what he, we got him for? And he just hasn't ever been able to get onto the field. I thought he was going to be, but I don't think we ever really threw him out there because he got hurt like immediately last yeah. year. He yeah. took one of the biggest helmet to helmet hits I saw all season last year. And then the back of his head hit the ground like immediately after it. So I, I knew that was a bad concussion when he got it, but it was so bad. He had to see a specialist. Like he was having vision problems, Mm -hmm. like really unfortunate what's happened with D. Um, Yeah. Well, I think, I think concussions uh, overall have just like, we've taken them a lot more seriously. So they're a lot more unpredictable nowadays as back as they were back in the day. Like Kyle Lewis on the Mariners got a concussion. He was out for like almost three weeks. Yeah, from that injury alone when it was supposed to be like seven days. Yeah, I think they used to just be like, all right, you're you'll be fine by Tuesday if you get one on Sunday and years yeah. passed. And now it's like, no, you we need to take these a little more serious and go through some actual like strict testing standards to make sure you're you're OK after one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, he he's an older wide receiver for how little NFL experience he has. He's already like 25, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. So they really need him to develop in a hurry to have a return on that investment we had on him. Um, Yeah, and speaking of our other receivers, one guy that I'll be really bummed if they don't make the team is Dariq. Dariq Young, dude, I when we saw him up close, when he kneeled on the sidelines, I was like, oh my God, this guy is He's absolutely jacked. He looks like bigger than DK. Yeah, his lower body is maybe bigger than DK's, I would say. It least. was insane. I, cu- I couldn't... 
the amount of lower bodies that mesmerized me yesterday <laughs> at camp, I was like, whoa. You're going to have is... to make a, a grinder account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry if that was a bad joke. Um, uh. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, Derek Young and uh, and Bo both impressed me at camp yesterday. Um, Bo caught a really, really nice uh, pass down the sideline from Jacob Beeson about like 50 yards downfield. Right over Tariq Woolen, too, who's the fastest player on our team. So that must have been... I didn't see the route he ran once he got vertical, um, but that must have been a pretty good at-the-snap move to get past Tariq, who not a whole lot of people have been getting past in camp, including Marquise and DK, who are 4-3, sub-4-3 type of runners. So One, one thing that I uh, noticed was I found myself doing a lot at training camp yesterday was watching individual matchups. So there were some, mm. t- there were some times when I didn't actually see a play fully develop and finish because I was like watching the, I was watching Abraham Lucas go up against whoever was past. It looks like at a, the time. a wall of a human he being. He is huge. He, uh, yeah. I'm, we might've found our tackles for the next decade in one draft. Yeah. They both looked great. Also Charles Cross, threw his gloves right at us i kind of didn't want to catch him though because we both uh, we, we funny we, we probably them. both could have walked home with his pair of gloves but i just felt weird with all those little kids around me and yeah. i didn't want to like you know stiff arm children to get a sweaty glove that i don't really want to touch which you have to do by the way if you go to training camp and you want to get dk's signature be ready to shove some children because they swarm to that guy to get an autograph dude they were like screaming in each other's ears for no they weren't even like communicating words they were just screaming yeah (laughs) dk is like one of the beatles he's that famous to seattle folks so um yeah it it was it was pretty funny to see though (laughs) yeah um jamal adams came right up to us and we got a autograph from him which was pretty cool um, so yeah, just training camp experience in general, like it's really, really, really cool to go down there and just be face to face with, with some of these guys. You can't, I feel like there's not a lot you can take away from practice just like preseason. Cause if the defense makes a good play, you're like, Oh sweet. If the offense makes a good play, it's kind of the same reaction. Um, but some guys, some notable guys that definitely stood out to me on the defense were three cornerbacks, Tariq Woolen, just because He's so tall and so fast. It was really fun seeing him go up against DK. Yeah, they've been calling that the Battle of the Transformers, and that's aptly named. Um, Kobe Bryant had a couple nice pass breakups, and a guy we haven't talked a lot about, and it's another silly name in our secondary, but Mike Jackson, Michael Mm -hmm. Jackson, he had a couple really nice plays out there too. He's number 30. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I like that we have some good depth at the cornerback position, for sure, especially once Trey Brown can get back from that injury he had last year. And yeah, when when is his timetable? Do you know? He's probably going to start the season on the pup list, is my mm-hmm. guess, because he had a major injury last year. I think it was his uh, patella tendon that he had a rupture. God, it's always that. That's it. That sounds like a really painful injury too. But um, I know he's back to running, so he might be like a month or two away. But I think he will play this season. Um, and that's not even to mention Sidney Jones and Artie Burns who are at the top of the depth chart. They've just had some injuries, so they haven't really been practicing or playing too much. So I think we got a lot of talent in the secondary. Um, 
Quandre Diggs, Diggs had a play where if it was in a game, Tyler Lockett would have been on a cart. I got that on camera, actually. He came, uh, Tyler Lockett just basically kind of ran an arrow route and uh, caught it, but Quandre Diggs was coming in at like 50 miles an hour ready to tear his head off and, you know, let up and didn't actually hit that him. That was a Drew Locke throw too, wasn't it? I think that was a Geno throw. Because I remember, yeah, because Gino threw two balls to Lockett where he was like crushed immediately. And I was like, why is he trying to kill Tyler Lockett? (laughs) Yeah, well. But um, yeah, as far as the quarterback competition is concerned, I saw nothing in training camp that would make me think anything differently than what I already thought. Um, It's the way they were doing so many handoffs especially too that they didn't really get that many downfield throw opportunities while we were there. I think there were only like four or five deep balls that attempted the whole practice. And three of them were by Jacob Eason. And when he wants to put zip on it, it's crazy how hard he can throw it. That stood mm-hmm. out to me both at the preseason game and at, at training camp. So uh, he's going to be a practice squad guy. I don't know if he really has much of a chance to develop yeah. into a starter ever, but his if nothing else, Jacob Eason's throwing ability is like up there with the best in mm-hmm. the league, honestly. So that that was interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I forgot to bring up or I wanted to talk about briefly was, I guess, Charles Cross, even though he had the four penalties in the preseason game against Chicago, he didn't even know who Robert Quinn was. I know. And that was who he was <laughs> going up against. Like, I just thought that that was kind of weird because you, I mean, Robert Quinn, he's not like the best D end in the he league. Had but he had 18 sacks last year. Yeah, 18. I think it was 18 and a half or yeah. something like that. But yeah, that's a, we haven't had a player with that many in God ever. Yeah, but I just thought it that was kind of weird that he, I mean, don't Shows you don't, don't you <laughs> well, and don't you watch film before even preseason games on who your opponents are going to be and who you're going up against like yeah maybe one on one matchups i just thought that that was surprising that he had no idea who robert quinn was cuz i mean i know who that is and i'm not an nfl player i mean i remember he used to be on the rams he i don't know how long he's been with the bears but he used to kind of be a thorn in our side yeah he's been around for i want to say a good decade now at least since the jeff fisher era of the rams yeah absolutely um but he yeah he's always been a really good pass rusher so it it was funny i saw that article too that uh charles didn't know who that was but he didn't allow any pressures he actually hasn't allowed a pressure this whole preseason which is that makes me feel really good yeah (laughs) and uh both of them have looked good run blocking as well and that was the concern with them so i'm I don't honestly really care how well this season goes because the fact that we have four picks in the first two rounds next year has us set up so well to make some noise in 2023 and beyond. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we got, you know, two tackles that look legit, a secondary that looks legit, and um, a couple edge rushers that I'm excited about as well. Uh, Boye wasn't practicing he's got a i think it was a shoulder issue but mm-hmm. it's not a, a long-term injury seahawks are really banged up with minor injuries right now yeah uh, another uh lineman that i forgot about until i saw him at practice yesterday was stone forsyth mm-hmm. i'm kind of he it looks like a wall of a man too and i'm kind of surprised that he can't translate his game into 
maybe becoming a considerable starter. Yeah, so every time he's played, his pass blocking has been pretty good. For some, I think he's just a little too slow to get to the second level fast enough in the run game to mm-hmm. get some of those like uh, plays where they pull a tackle or they're asked to go out and like block downfield on a linebacker or something like that. Which is, I, I think that's, I mean, I always assume that if you're an offensive lineman, you want to run block because it's mm-hmm. when you get to maul people and go forward rather than backward. And so I get, I mean, I guess it doesn't mean everyone succeeds in that style of play, but yeah, it's a, uh, it, it seems counterintuitive because a lot of linemen come out good at run blocking, not good at pass blocking. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, stone is, is a really good second string tackle to have, but yeah, I, I mean, he's not going to beat out Lucas or Charles Cross. Those yeah. guys both look like they might be pro bowlers in a year or two. I know. I'm really excited. Just how weird is it to have like a line that you're like, this is this looks pretty good on paper. Like, look, because I remember the Cowboys from the 2014 season. Their line was so good and they ran all over us. And I was it like, it was I demoralizing want, yeah, I wanted to play against for those our team. teams. Yeah. And we hadn't had a pretty much since Max Unger was traded. We our line has been pretty irrelevant uh so it's nice to have two top prospects in that position where we can you know maybe hope for uh, a pro bowl offensive line in the, in yeah. the upcoming seasons and i think we are a top 10 quarterback and linebacker and an edge rusher away from from being something i also think the seahawks need to maybe invest a first round pick in a receiver or a second round pick again, because they need a legit option at wide receiver three. And I think if Eskridge doesn't become that by the end of this year, they maybe just need to see him as a rotational wide receiver four guy and then move on and get someone else. Because it is like, look at the Rams last year. And once they got Odell Beckham jr, you know, they had Robert Woods before he got injured Cooper cup, um that other guy what's his name i can't remember his name they have another receiver that's like pretty dang good alan robinson well they have him now but last year when they won the super bowl robert woods not robert woods he's the young guy oh van jefferson van yeah yeah he's pretty good too um i think that is critical to going on a run because when you don't when you like have two really good options the defense has enough pieces to kind of game plan for that. But when you have like four becomes a whole lot harder. And right now specifically, I think the NFL is trying to adopt their team to go after that model, so to speak. Like you had both the Super Bowl teams, the Bengals and the Rams, all both of those teams had quite the surplus at receiver. Especially the Bengals. I mean, and a good pass catching tight end as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think, you know, I honestly, I haven't been very impressed with Noah Fant from what I've seen so far. It's just preseason. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but, um, I'm hoping he can, because he he has a lot of physical abilities and talent, but I'm hoping he can be a legit receiving option for us this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to take Eskridge to step up for us to really have. A, a good offense this year because i think we're gonna have a good running game and i think we're gonna run the ball a lot mm-hmm. a lot a lot maybe 
much more so than we even did in years prior, be, just because of who we have under center. Sure. Um, which I'm fine with, because if it's working, keep doing it. It's just the negative two-yard runs and the one-yard runs over and over again on first and second down that just drive me crazy Yeah. play calling. when Because when you second and long and third and long just make the drive so much less likely to succeed. Especially with the way Pete Carroll runs an offense, nine times out of ten, if we're third and long, he's just going to run the ball. And, yeah, and we're or Travis Homer is going to get a screen, and then he's going to get eight yards, but it's third and 14, so we're punting. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so I, th- I think there's, there's a lot to be encouraged about so far in the preseason training camp era, um, but... Man, I'm I'm ready for September 12th. I'm 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 pretty done and over preseason at this point, to be honest with you. But what are you looking at going into the Cowboys game on Friday? Um, you know, obviously the Drew Locke play is what I'm excited to see again because we were deprived of that in the Bears game. Uh, I obviously I want him to succeed. I mean, it's not like I'm I'm rooting for Gino to fail. I just think if we go with him as an option, we're waving the towel before the season even starts. I'm with you there because I I don't see us winning more than four games with him at quarterback, and even that is I I think is being generous. I I think we will get swept in our division. If we start him at quarterback, I mean, do you see Gino taking down the Cardinals, the Rams or the Niners even one time? I mean, logically, no. The only reason why I think our floor is six wins this year is just because Pete Carroll's never had a team even going back to his days as the Jets coach that won less than six games. So I don't really see that happening now. But I mean, on paper, yeah, there's not a whole lot of games I expect us to be favored in well and i think some of it i mean i don't know pete carroll and i don't want to like call him out or anything but some of it might have to do with you know arrogance on his own philosophy and maybe he needs to take a look in the mirror we will we will find out very soon if that's the case because i think he's put himself in a position where if things go decent this year and you know i don't think playoffs are required for us to be decent but if you can tell the team's developing and we go like 7 and 10, 6 and 11, 8 and 9, somewhere in there, I think you can make a case that like, okay, Pete still got it. Let's use these this draft capital we got next year. And we are going to have a shit ton of cap space next season because of the way we've... We have like, I think like 18, 20 million in surplus right now that we're just going to roll over to next season and the cap is going to go way up. So anyways... Um, but yeah, I think if we're like three and 14, there's a chance he gets fired. Yeah. Well, and that kind of blows up the whole rebuild rebuild. Cause you're going to have a new coach in that maybe is in love with drew lock or maybe like hates everyone. Like, I don't know. Like you, you, when you get another person's opinion on personnel in the whole depth chart is subject to change and the whole process of the rebuild is, you know, kind of washed. So, and not to mention, you look at all the other NFC head coaches around the league with guys like Shanahan and uh, the P- Packers head coach. Lafleur. Yeah, and uh, what is the uh, 
who is the uh, uh, Sean, uh, Sean McVay, and even even guys in the AFC like uh, the Bengals head coach Zach Taylor, uh, Andy Reid, like all these offensive minded coaches have the best teams. Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder like. The game is geared towards the offense and favors the offense. And it continues to sway more that direction every season. And I'm wondering, I, I've been wondering this for since we lost that playoff game to the Rams when we won our division a couple years ago. Like, is Pete's scheme and philosophy being outdated? And, I mean, I know we changed to a 3-4, and only time will t- can answer this question, but it just it really makes me worry. Like if he only wins three or four games, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, wouldn't be surprised if he did get fired. And and quite frankly, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would necessarily mind. No, a I I wouldn't because that'd be two bad losing seasons in a row. Um, my only thing is I what we did this off season. I really liked like ninety six percent of it. Like was stoked about it yeah. and. Um, I would hate to just restart that and like, you know, move on from a lot of these players that I like and some of these coaches we have on the staff too. So, um, I got to think though, Pete understands that if he, if we suck ass this year, he might be done coaching. He's got to have that level of self-awareness because, mm-hmm. um, he even brought it up. Uh, I think it was after we lost to the, maybe the Steelers game. Um, he was, someone was asking about the impact of Russell Wilson being gone. And he was saying like, he basically said, if Russ hadn't been here so long, I might not have been here so long. Mm-hmm. He said basically that statement there. So I think he understands that you got to win in the NFL if you're going to keep your job. So, cause he's been fired from two other head coaching positions. Right. Um, but I, I do, um, think in years past his, overconfidence ego might have caused us to not go far in the playoffs. Like, you know, the 2020 season, uh, the 2018 season against the fucking Cowboys where we ran the ball like 60 times and (laughs) didn't throw it at all. And then when we did scored immediately, but didn't have enough time. Like that was one of the most frustrating P Carroll games ever. So I'm with you. I think, um, I think anything under six wins, maybe it's time to move on. But I don't think we're going to be that bad. I certainly hope not. Um, and we were, we are probably in the next upcoming episode, probably going to redo our, you know, mock win loss for the season. I'm thinking we do that first week of September. Yeah. 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 Um, because obviously, if you've listened to the episode, Ryan and I. We're a little bit in the honeymoon stage of uh, the draft and thought that we were going to win all these games with all these new faces. And the preseason's kind of given us a hard reality check on that fact. I just yeah. don't really see us winning. I think I had us winning eight games, going eight and nine, I beating think- the Bucks in Germany. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but that is not going to happen. I'm I, sorry, I mean, but- I had nine and eight and beating the Bucks in Germany. <laughs> so I feel dumb. But I, I think I think something like seven and ten is probably the ceiling and six. Like, I just don't see us being any 
having many more wins than seven and many less than six is, yeah. is my prediction. But we'll, we'll go through that again. Um, yeah, we got a game coming up this Friday, final preseason game. Hopefully we see a lot of Drew Locke and not a lot of Geno Smith because, good God, I've seen enough of that for one preseason. So um, that's all I had for this one, Jonah. Do you have any more thoughts? Uh, no, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we will probably catch up with you guys again Sunday night after this weekend slate of preseason games. Once again, I'm Ryan Rogers. And as always, I'm Jonah Hoffman. Have a good one. Yeah.